Chof Ches Adar, Tov Shem Pei, Hagaras Kalim Part 3. I hope everyone can hear me alright. And um, normally I've said over the past two weeks that in this time I were, I'd be uh, employed by the Montefiore Endowment and by Naima and therefore any share that I give has to be the Nishmas or Moshe Montefiore just because these hours I'm usually working there. Obviously now it's different because no one's at work at all. However, the Divritore that I found and that are relevant are relevant to Yom Tov and to Pesach. And so I thought maybe I'd share with them just before we start anyway as something for the Seder and for Yom Tov. In, in, the 18, in 1840, there was a blood libel in Damascus, in Syria. And many Eden around the world tried to plead on behalf of the Eden that were being accused of killing a non-Jewish person in Damascus. And there were the town leaders that were accused, the rabbonim of the town. And eventually, Montefiore, with others, traveled to Damascus to plead on behalf of the heathen there to Muhammad Ali. And he was successful and the heathen were freed. And on his return, if you go to the Victoria and Albert Museum where all the silver is stored, you'll see a big tribute that the board of deputies gave to him at the time in order to thank him for the work that he did. And blood libels were very common, especially in earlier times in history, and we had one here in Norwich too, which was I think the first one. And I haven't checked this because I haven't been out for a week or two, but as far as I remember, with the story of the Shvatim, when they dipped Yosef's coat into blood, and they gave it to, the, to their father, and they said, Chaya ra'a a wild animal tore him up, Rabbi Khanan explains that the punishment for that, the middah kneged middah for that, for doing an avera with blood, for saying that a goat killed Yosef, and for selling Yosef, were the blood libels that happened throughout Jewish history until a couple of hundred years ago. The middah kneged middah for doing an avera with blood, the middah kneged middah for dipping the coat into the blood and saying, Chaya ra'a for selling him, and according to, according to Toysus, that's why we were taken down from Mitzrayim, because of the sin of the brothers had towards Yosef. That Midah, Kenegah Midah itself, was the cause for many of the blood libels throughout Jewish history. And that's the negative. But the positive is the Gemara in Sota tells us that when Miriam waited for Moshe by, by the Nile, but they sat of to see what would happen to him. She waited just for a shah, the Gemara says, for a, for a small period of time. And Hashem rewarded her that when, later on the Sefer Bar Midbar, she'd spoken Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu and she was taken out of the camp, they waited until they traveled for seven days, which was far longer than the period of time that she had actually waited for Moshe. Because Merubam Hashem rewards much more than he punishes. Even up to seven, or much more than seven times more. And therefore, even though there was an Oymesh for 
the blood libels, which was the honors for the blood, which was all the blood libels. It's important to remember that something good that we do, a mitzvah, masim taibim, is rewarded much, much more, not only for ourselves, but for the future diarists as well. That's number one. Number two, no one can compare to Moshe Rabbeinu, of course. Not even the Nevi'im can compare to Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Gemara and Saita tells us that after the Bas Paro found Moshe, it says, achoise al Bas Should I go and choose for you a Jewish girl to feed the boy? Says the Gemara, Why specifically did she have to be a Jewish? Because if someone's feeding a baby, they can be non-Jewish as well. There's no issa of kashras when it comes to feeding a baby. Says the Gemara, He went through, he went, she tried to give in to many of the non-Jewish midwives and wet nurses, but he refused. Someone who's going to speak with Hashem should feed from someone who's had non-kosher food. And therefore it's written, Who understands Torah and who feels the message of the Torah? Someone who is careful to only feed from their mother or from someone Jewish. And of course it's incomparable, but it's interesting to see, if you see the diaries of Montefiore's mother when he was travelling from Livorno to London, and they made this trip many times because Livorno, an Italian port um, town, of course it's not such a good word nowadays to say anything to do with Italy, but it's an Italian town, and they travelled between the two, and on the way she, was, she felt sick, and they offered to take little Moshe Montefiore and maybe offer another wet nurse on the boat, on the ship, in order to feed him. And she refused. And it's interesting to note that his koilol, he was one of the first people to start an, an institute, anywhere, that, uh, a place that people would learn full-time, and that's still going until today. And finally, we have the matzah. The matzah we split in yachats, many people say is reminiscent of the Kriyas Yamsuf. And there's an old Sephardi custom to take the afikoyman with you, wherever you are. And especially if you're with the stormy sea, that has throw it into the sea, and the sea will hopefully calm. And famously, Montefiore writes in his diaries that one of his trips to Eretz Yisrael, because he was a very passionate believer in helping Eden in Eretz Yisrael, and one of the trips that he went there in, he was a very stormy sea, and they fell ill, and he threw some of the Afikoyman into the sea, and the sea calmed. Until this day, the family always are very careful to remember that in their Seder night. But moving on to Hagalas Kalim. I'd like to discuss two things before we finish this series. First of all, is Haggadah time-sensitive when you do it on Erev Pesach? And how much that time-sensitivity makes a difference to the Haggadah that you do? When is the ideal time to do it? And does it matter when you do it? And can you do it in Chol HaMoyed as well? If you suddenly come home Chol HaMoyed by mistake, because you didn't mean to, and your kitchen's not ready for Pesach, then what do you do? Can you do Haggadah then? That's number one. Number two, how, another question to ask in the beginning is how does Haggadah actually work? It's an extremely confusing phenomenon. So imagine you have a non-kosher spoon, or a fork, or a knife, 
or a little pot full of chametz. Use it for chametz or for trade. And you want to make a kasha, you want to do hagala, you want to extract what's non-kasha inside it. So what do you do? Not leban. It didn't absorb through fire, as we've discussed many times. It absorbed through boiling hot water. Boiling hot water caused the issa, the chametz, the treif to enter in. How do you take it out? Well, it's very simple. We all know you take it and you put it into a pot. And that pot is full of boiling hot, bubbling water. And it extracts. The taste then is expelled. According to most, most of the taste is expelled anyway. You take your trafer spoon, you take your chamas spoon they used for porridge, you take it and you drop it into boiling, bubbling hot water, and it all comes out. But the obvious question is, won't it go straight back in? It's trafe. Trafe taste came out. What's stopping it from being absorbed again and going straight back in? So how does any Haggadah ever work? Everything's going to go straight back. Again, you've got a, a spoon, which is full of chametz, the bleas, the taste. You put it into boiling hot water, and now that comes out. But that taste of chametz is sitting in the water. Surely, within a few split seconds, it will enter through the hot water back into the spoon, and you haven't achieved Haggadah at all. And this is a question on any Haggadah that you ever do. How does it ever work? How does it ever achieve the purpose for you that you're trying to achieve? And the same goes for pots or anything that you do Haggadah too. And for our lovely glass stovetops, stovetops that we've discussed for the past couple of times, when you're pouring boiling hot water in the middle, where it just come out and then go back. So how does it work? How the Torah given us a way to do this which doesn't seem to work at all? Libon, when I'm, when I'm burning something, I'm burning, if I'm doing a Libon Gamal, if I'm doing a proper 900 degree Libon, which should get close to red hot, or there should be sparks flying according to the Yoshami, if I do that, I'm burning everything away. And nothing's coming out. With boiling hot water, the taste is coming out of the spoon, but then presumably it should go straight back in. So those are the two questions to think about in the beginning of the shit. First of all, is there an ideal time to do Haggadah on Erev Pesach? And can I do it on Cholamayid? Or is, or is it something I can only do maybe a day before Yom Tov, maybe Erev Pesach, maybe in the morning before? That's number one. Number two... I need to know how Haggala with water works at all. How does it help me to take the taste out if it would go straight back in straight away? I'd like to give three solutions, or amongst many, but I'd like to focus on three solutions to these two problems, mainly found in Arachayim, Simatofnun base. Sif Aleph, in the Machab of the Dawn, the Mishnabur, and the Mabin Avram there. The first one I would say is the hardest, and the other two are slightly easier. So if you miss the first one, then wait for the other two, which are easy solutions to this, the question that we have as to how Haggadah works, and then to explain whether it's time-sensitive or not. According 
according to most people, Hamas, the rest of the year, today, two weeks ago, is a piece of heta. And most Roshonim consider Hamas to be a piece of heta. No difference to an apple, an orange, the rest of the year. On Pesach, we go to the other extreme and it becomes an Issacharis. One of the worst Issurim you can ever have. So we go from Heta to an Issacharis. Now, when you take your spoon and do Haggalah to it on Erev Pesach, your Heta, which is Chamet, will come out into the water. We're then concerned that maybe it would go back in. But when it goes back in, it's important to remember that it's been diluted already. And it's weak. Such weak heta can't become chametz and Issa once the fifth hour on Erev Pesach arrives and chametz becomes Asa, at least Midrabana. It's too weak. Chametz has to be strong, fresh and vibrant for Issa to be chal on it. Even if your Issa and Blia comes out of your spoon and then we're concerned it will potentially go back in, once it's been diluted, it's such a weak form of Chametz that even when Arab Pesach comes and the fifth hour comes, and even when Pesach comes in, we don't consider that to be Chametz. And therefore it's already mutter. And that's one answer to our question as to why aren't we concerned that the taste will go out and then go straight back in. Because it will go back in, but when it, go, it goes back in it will be diluted. And such a diluted form of Chametz won't be able to become Asa from the fifth hour and on Pesach. The fifth hour on Arab Pesach is when we get rid of Chametz. And in generic terms, that's called the principle of Nakbanat. And therefore, in answer to our first question, the Haggadah era of Pesach is very time-sensitive then. I've got to make sure I do it before the fifth hour. Because after the fifth hour has come, my Chametz is Asa. And there's no, you can't dilute it after it's become Asa already. You can only dilute it before it's become Asa. I want to leave that. That's the hardest answer, I would say. I'd like to focus on two slightly easier ones. According to that answer, you've got to try and do Haggadah on Erev Pesach in the morning. So what happens if you miss that? And it's three hours before Yom Tov now, four o'clock in the afternoon. Can you still do Haggadah? When all your Chametz is also in your house? When Chametz is completely got rid of, there's nothing around, everything's covered, your Seder night is ready to go, could you still then do Haggadah? And take Chametz out? So the answer is yes. But, there's two solutions you have to apply to answer our questions to how Haggadah works. Won't the Issa just go back in? And if you keep to one of those two, then your Haggadah is Kasha, and your Kedim Kasha for Pesach. I'll just remind everyone, we asked two questions. First of all, is it time sensitive? And second of all, how does Haggadah ever work? Won't the Issa just go straight back in? So if you've lost me until now, then catch me now. How do you do Haggadah on air of Pesach? Two, three hours before Yantif. So maybe, if the pot is more than 24 hours old, 
and one hasn't used it within 24 hours, then Chazal say any bleer that comes out is mutter. Normally, we say that if a pot was used for chametz or used for trif within a day, then that pot is also midaraisa. It's tamke ikka, there's taste of isra in that pot. Once you have waited a night or a day or maybe 24 hours, but a good period of time from when you use that pot for chametz or when you use that pot for trif and you then cook in it, it's not a good thing to do, it's not lechatchera, but if you do, your food is mutter. This is the principle of Einoi ben Yoimai. It's after 24 hours since you last used it. And it's mutter. However, Chazal said, don't use a pot that's more than 24 hours old. Why? Because you may get mixed up and eventually use it within its 24 hours. But they only said it's asa if when the taste came in, it was fresh, vibrant chametz, or fresh, vibrant chaza. Then even if that taste would go moldy, and it would be 24 hours from when you last used it, it would be mutter. However, you can't do that lechat because you may come to get mixed up and use it within 24 hours. But that's only when it absorbed its taste whilst the taste was fresh. If it absorbed taste that was not fresh, that was more than 24 hours old, then subsequently your pot is mutter even lechatchila to use. So if I go to a non-kosher restaurant and I take their pot and they use it within a few hours, completely asked to use. What happens if I take that pot that they used two days ago, a day ago? If I cooked in it, it's mutter. However, there's a kazera, I shouldn't do this lechat However, this whole kazera lechat is only when I know that it absorbed fresh taste, then we say that still, that fresh taste is still forbidden and asa even once it becomes old and stale and after 24 hours old. So coming back to our Hagala, if you wait 24 hours from using your Chomet's pot and now that taste goes out, even if it comes back in, it's come back in a stale taste. And therefore, it's mutter to use the pot lechatchila. So, in all practical terms, if you wait to do, and you want to do hagala on erev pesach, then you've got to make sure that you haven't used the chametz pot within 24 hours, because in that case, even if the taste would go back in, it would go back in as what we call eino ben yoimai, a stale taste, and therefore it's mutter. And if you're doing Haggala with a pot that's more than 24 hours old, then you can use it even on Erev Yom Tov. You can do Haggala even on Erev Yom Tov as well. So we've said one. To answer these two questions, we said first of all, maybe if the taste is so weak by the time it goes in because it's come out and gone back, we don't mind. And that can't become Chametz if you did Haggala before the fifth hour. 
If, however, the fifth hour has come, and that's already become Asa, you can't dilute something that's already Asa already. You can dilute it before it becomes Asa. You can't dilute it after. That's number one. And if so, you've got to make, if, you, if you're relying on this practicality, you've got to make sure to do Hagala before the fifth hour. The Marel also adds that it's good to do it even three days before, just to avoid any of these issues. If you miss that, you could do Hagala Arab Yantef. How? Take your pot and make sure it's not used for Khamat within 24 hours. Now, since it hasn't been used within 24 hours, there's no gazera on these bleers if they go out and come back. Because it will come in as a stale taste and not come in as a fresh taste. Mutter. The third solution you have is to make sure that this, the pot that you're doing Hangala in is, hum, is very big, like in many shuls. And since it's so big, there's 60 times the size of the pot. Because there's something called, as we know, Bittal Tan and Bittal Shishin. Bittal Shishin means, I'm sorry. In order to get rid of any taste at all, what you've got to do is make sure there's 60 times the amount of the forbidden food. Make sure there's 60 times the amount of the pot. If there's 60 times the amount of the pot, then you, we can presume that we're not going to taste your forbidden taste that was inside. So you have a pot, and inside your pot is bleas of chamats, is bleas of non-kasha food, Make sure you work out roughly the thin surface area of the pot. And if you've got a massive cauldron of water, the chances are there'll be 60 times of water against the taste that could potentially come out of your pot. And that's called Bittal Shishin. And it's obviously obvious to understand how Haggadah would work, even if you do an air of Pesach. The taste would come out, but once it comes out, it's bottled by Shishin. Is bottle in 60. So it goes back in with such a diluted taste that it's not even there anymore. So those are the three solutions you have to Hagala. Both time sensitive for error of Pesach, one time sensitive to do it even before the fifth hour. What number one, you've got to make sure that sorry, I'll rephrase that. If you're using the first solution and you're saying when the Khamats comes out and comes back in, it's too weak then make sure you do that before the fifth hour. You don't have to worry about 60 of that. You don't have to worry about any of your mind. You're just saying it's too weak. Yeah, but once Hamas is Asa, after the fifth hour, mid at least, it's too late to say I'm weakening it before it becomes Asa. It's Asa already. You don't need to dilute something before it becomes Asa. Number two, the second solution you potentially have, even on an hour before Yom Tov, as long as Shkia is not here, or Tisephus Yom Tov, as long as there's no Shaykhah to, to the actual Yom Tov of Pesach yet, <coughs> is to wait till your, make sure your pot is Eino ben Yoimai, and that even if the Beliyas come out, if they go back in, they're going back in a stale, and it's Muta, for any Haggadah. And number three, the third solution you have, is to... Make sure there's 60 times the surface area of the pot. You just get a, let's say you have a fork, and you put this into bubbling, boiling hot water in a pot, then there's always going to be 60 times the amount in your pot, and then there's going to be mutter, and it will ne- even if it comes back in, it's not there anymore. It's bottled by shishin. Those, those are the three solutions you have to the question we ask as to how Hagalah ever works. Won't the taste just go back in? It will maybe go back in. 
However, because of these three solutions, it doesn't matter. Either it's not banat, or it's ain't ben yoimai, or you've got bitl b'shishin. That all applies to Erev Pesach. Now Yom Tov, let's leave, because I've got on Yom Tov is a, gen- a general beta question, whether you could fix something on Yom Tov you could have done before. But let's move to Cholamoyed. I want to do Hagala Cholamoyed. Let's see what I can do with a microwave. I can do it with steam, which is Hagala. I want to pour water on my stove tops. I want to do this Cholamoyed. Can I do it? And the answer is by and large, no. You can't do it on Cholamoyed anymore. And the reason being is, is that we said if it's more than 24 hours old, it's mutter. We said that if you've got brittle pashishim, it's mutter. Both those hatarim don't apply on Pesach because we're machma on Pesach. You can only do those solutions before Yom Tov comes in. Once Yom Tov and the Yom Tov of Pesach is here, it's too late. You can no longer say, well, the Bali is coming in as Eina ben Yomai. It doesn't matter. Even if it's more than 24 hours old, that's also on Pesach. Secondly, well maybe there's 60. And if there's 60, then no. Because the six, the hatter of 60 is only applicable before Yom Tov. We're machmeh on Yom Tov. But even if you have a tiny amount of chametz in a mixture, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, one in two thousand maybe, there's a tiny amount, it's well bottled. There's no taste of it. We're machmeh on Pesach, keep away. And therefore the two, the three solutions don't apply. The first solution was, well maybe it's too weak before it's become chametz. It's already chametz. You can't weaken something after it's become chametz. You can't do Haggadah. Number two, well, maybe it's Eina ben Yomai, and it will come in as an, more as an old stale taste. That's us on Pesach. Three, maybe it'll be bitl b'shishim. It doesn't matter. Bitl b'shishim won't even help you. If you've got a tiny, tiny amount of Pesach, it's asa. And the Sfadim are maker with the Eino ben Yoimai. Therefore, for, according to the Sfadim, they would be allowed to do Hagala to an Eino ben Yoimai pot on Pesach. But Ashken, most Ashkenazim, the Minaga, most places, is Vimachme. And therefore, Hagala is going to prove to be a problem. The difference would be, we pointed out in the beginning of the Shir, that Libon is different. Libon, burn, Libon Gomo, not probably Libon Kal, but Libon Gomo, when you burn something, you're burning everything inside. You're not extracting something. You're burning your oven out. That presumably will be mother to do a Cholomite. And the reason being is, you're not taking anything out and going back in. You're not saying the bleers are going out or coming back. You're just burning inside. And therefore, burning an oven would be mutter. It's important to note that that would only be a self-cleaning oven, which does a libun gomor. If you're doing, if you have a different kind of oven that needs a regular libun to cleanse it, and that's the sap you've received, I think that would be more difficult to do on Pesach. It would only, it would only really be applicable to an oven that you burn properly. So to summarize, I would say there are four time periods with Haggadah's kalim. There's the Maharel, try and do it well before Yom Tov if you can, just to avoid any of these problems. It doesn't seem to have kept. Most people seem to do it even still there of Yom Tov, but that's what he recommends. The Bi'alacha brings it in Mishnah Bura. Number two, some people try and do it before the fifth hour, so that the Chametz is too weak by the time it gets in. But if you miss that, you've got time period three, and that's an hour of Pesach. On Erev Pesach, it's completely mutter to do Hagala. If you make sure there's 60 times the amount of the Bliya's coming out, 
And second of all, also if you make sure that it's Eino Ben Yoima. Fourthly, you've got, let's miss out Yantaf, that's a shir in itself, you've got Cholamayit. On Cholamayit, it's mutter to do only Liban, and it's very hard to find a heter to do Hagala. All the hetayim that we have, we said Hagala, the Bliya would come out and go back, that's okay, because of Shishin, because of Eino uh, Ben Yoimai. None of those apply according with Ashkenazim on Pesach. Because we're machmed. We're machmed. It's only a tiny bit. We're machmed. And because we're machmed, you can't do your hangala. So your stone you've got to make sure you do even before Pesach. But finally, Libran works differently. Libran is not extracting. That we don't have the same obvious question that we had in the beginning of the Shea. Libran just burns inside everything completely away and everything is gone. There should be halakhically nothing left. And therefore, if you have specifically a self-clean oven, or if you have any utensil that you could do a libun gong or two, your barbecue, for example, which you could burn to make it red hot, that would be mutter to do even a chalamayid, because that's libun rather than hagala. Akadiyantev, thank you very much. I forgot to say in the beginning, Bishos, my father, and Bishos, uh, you for Shlema, looking forward to, well, I can't say seeing you around anymore, because no one's around, but um, maybe feeling you around. I mean, feeling, feeling the presence of Kedusha. Um, I wish everyone a good yantar. Thank you very much. And uh, cult up and have a nice day.